Hey everybody, welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, looking for my good buddy Seth Robinson. Seth. Hey, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing okay. Uh, I can't say the same for my in-laws who live in the Fort Myers, Cape Coral area of Florida. It's been quite a harrowing night for them. Um, really harrowing. Uh, my father-in-law and my brother-in-law are trapped in their house, which is flooded with water and their street is, and they're on the evacuation list for the rescue boats when they go out sometime today. They've been there all night with no power too, in a foot of water, the whole house, things are destroyed. So it's a little crazy here in my household trying yeah, to Yeah, are you getting like constant updates? Or... Well, I mean, they had to preserve their cell phone batteries, obviously. So we've got like one point of contact. Um, most of the family evacuated um, and went over to the other side of Florida. They're in Fort Lauderdale in a hotel. A lot of my husband's family all lives down there. And But his dad, my father-in-law, stubborn as he is, stayed behind at the house. And my husband's brother wouldn't leave his 80-something-year-old dad alone there. So he stayed at the house. And they thought it wasn't going to be so bad. Well, it, it, is a, it, it is bad. So they're trapped there. The, the house is completely flooded. And they're waiting for a boat rescue. So they are, they are going to be okay, but it, this is a, you know, just, it's not a good scene. It's a situation. Yeah. Did they, did they stay like to try to keep an eye on things or just like, honestly did not think it was going to be that bad or what? Um, these are the questions that we're all asking right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, someone's going to have some splaining to do when this is all over with, but you know, for now we're just happy everyone's going to make it out and uh, safely, but yeah, insane. And I feel sorry for everyone down there, but cause it looks terrible, but yeah. So you asked, that's the situation. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I'm glad that you're doing well anyway, and, yeah. uh, hope that, uh, that they, you know, get rescued from their flooded house and that everything you know, turns out okay. Yeah, if nothing else, they'll have like good cocktail party story right there. You know, the time they had to be rescued, but still, yeah, what an ordeal. Yeah. Anyway, so let's move on to to, to other topics here. Um, today we've got one of our big studies uh, to talk about, so it's exciting. We've got you know our, our we have three flagship major studies of the year that we've put out in research, and this is one of them. And this is your baby, and we're going to talk about cybersecurity. So I'm excited. Nice job on the on the report, and uh, you know let's dive in. Yeah, thanks. Uh, definitely was a big one. Uh, this was sort of a pilot of some new things that we wanted to try with this flagship, and. Uh, I guess I thought it would be a good idea to try all of them at once. Uh, so we have uh, the full report, which we usually have. And then we have a brand new landing page, which provides a summary of the report and then leads people to the full report if they want to read, read more. Uh, we've got five different international briefs highlighting some data points in those regions where we've got some community presence. Uh, and then you and I are writing blog posts. We're doing these volleys. Uh, we're going to do trend watch. Uh, feeding the content machine pretty well with the cybersecurity yeah, Feeding the content machine. That's a good way to put it. But obviously, this is a topic that applies to everybody. It doesn't matter which audience we're talking about here, whether it's our IT pro audience, our membership in the in the channel community, uh, our, the, the students who take our certifications, and you name it, cybersecurity matters to, yeah. to, every, 
to everybody. And I think that's what makes it such a compelling topic and, um, and such a, um, a kind of a perennial topic that never goes away. And I, and that was one of the points that you make in the report and comes through very clear is that as we cycle through tech tech topic after tech topic, you know, you name it and go down the list, there are the, you know, some are at the, the hype, you know, peak um, at a, in a given moment and they get all the, all the attention uh, and then they sort of fade away um, or they, and they may come back, but, but cybersecurity never goes away. And I think that if we want to look at a major theme here that um, other than it applies to everybody, it's also that it really is a topic that we cannot, we cannot put on the shelf and say we solved. Yeah. Yeah. We can't seem to get ahead of it. Uh, you know, not only is it not going away, but it feels like it's not getting much better. You know, whatever advances or progress we make with cybersecurity um, are, are not as big as the, the threats that are out there or the sentiment that people have around cybersecurity. And so we've been tracking kind of the, the sentiment or satisfaction with organizational cybersecurity for a few years now and just not really seeing the needle move there. You know, and I think we'd want to see a little bit more positive feeling or certainly more satisfaction with organizational cybersecurity. People saying, yeah, we feel like my company is getting it under control or doing a lot of the right things. And uh, we just don't see as much progress there as I think we'd like to. And so I, I feel like there's a disconnect between companies saying cybersecurity is really important. It's one of our top priorities. We know that we have to do our best with it and then what they're actually doing. And so I think that this report uh, did an attempt to kind of get to the root of that disconnect. You know, what, what's causing that? What would be the main thing that would end up driving some improvement for the way that people feel that the cybersecurity is going at their organization. That's not a lot unlike a lot of things in life. You know, we talk a good game about the things we're supposed to be doing, eating right, exercising, whatever. We pl make pledges, but then don't really execute or follow through on them. And maybe there's a little bit of that, like, you know, you, you do address people in the report and there's a human nature aspect to a lot of this. Um, but um, I wanted to dive in because you've done a really good job of sort of putting four buckets together of issues related to cybersecurity. And I like the alliteration. That's why I'm really happy with this, Seth, policy, process, people, and product. The wordsmith in me like appreciates that very much. But I thought we'd talk about, because I think this is really the, the meat of it at, at first, is the top-down issue. And that is, I think, under the bucket of policy. It's yeah. that um, in order for us to sort of wrap our arms around cybersecurity and actually start to execute on the things you just said, instead of just talking about it, is to have kind of a, an overall strategic viewpoint of, of cybersecurity as something that isn't just a, um, a, a tactical issue that you have to solve, which it is in, in, in some places, but needs to be part of the mindset of the overall organization from a strategy level. Yeah, I, I think that along with what you said that, you know, maybe companies know what they should be doing and they're not doing it. I think there's an element where they don't even know what they should be doing. They, they don't know how to wrap their arms or their brain around what cybersecurity looks like, because it used to look like the secure perimeter that we've talked about so much and that we've talked about going away. You know, it used to be pretty simple. All of our data is here. We're going to build the best wall that we can, and we're going to keep all the bad stuff on the outside. That was, I think, a pretty simplified view of security, even if the execution always had challenges. But I think that viewpoint has changed. And now companies are putting their data and their systems and their applications 
outside of their corporate structure into cloud providers, into mobile devices. And so you can't just build a secure perimeter and you can't even just attack it with technology. You have to have the right behaviors in place, especially as more and more of the workforce is using technology. Uh, and so I think that companies have struggled to think about cybersecurity in a new way. And when we say policy here, we don't really mean a written policy. You know, we kind of mean the cultural mindset of the organization. And, and I think you described it pretty well. You know, what we're kind of advocating for is to view cybersecurity as a strategic business imperative, not just kind of a follow-on to technology, but uh, technology itself is becoming more strategic. And I think the questions that are getting asked around technology aren't so much speeds and feeds and specifications, but it's how is this technology helping us meet our objective? And I think you have to ask the same question around cybersecurity uh, and, and be able to do some mapping between cybersecurity initiatives and ultimate objectives, whether that's customer satisfaction or reaching new markets or building your brand or whatever it might be. I, I think there are some relatively direct lines that you can connect between cybersecurity and those objectives. Yeah, it seems to me that that has to be part of the conversation before you dive into anything. And if the cybersecurity piece can't be resolved as part of some new thing that you want to do, you may actually want to rethink whether that thing that you want to do is doable. Um, you know, and, and that's a pretty, I think, a pretty radical uh, viewpoint. You know, if a company decides, hey, we want to get into a new market and they're all gangbusters about it. But then when they do their research on how to be secure around that and realize that they may not be able to do that and then pull back from it, that's, you know, it's probably really good due diligence, but it's also a pretty extreme decision there as well. Right. Um, one of the things that we've talked about in the past, but is a, a big part of cybersecurity today and reflects a change from what you just talked about, the walling off of an organization and keeping everything, their data and all of their crown jewels inside the organization and secured, but really the fact that we're living in the cloud now and everything um, has almost forced our hand to go into this zero trust posture. And I'll have you discuss it because you understand it better than I do, but more or less that we are taking a much more proactive approach to security and that um, zero trust, what it implies here are, it, it is very literal, is that, you know, you should not be trusting almost anything that comes mm -hmm. in or out of your organization. And, and, and that, you know, that requires quite a heavy lift on the part of everybody within your organization, the people as well. Yeah. Last year, we described zero trust as part of that overall cultural mindset. And I still, still think it is for a lot of people, but I think there are also process steps that companies can begin taking. Uh, so we, we really featured zero trust in the, in the process section this year. And like you said, zero trust is pretty descriptive. It, it's around not assuming that a user access request is valid just because they have the password or not assuming that a data stream is not corrupted just because you think it's coming from a trusted location or a secure location. But thinking about, you know, how can we do a second check on this? I mean, kind of like a belt and suspenders approach, right? You know, and so what are we doing for user access? What are we doing for data streams and network traffic and those types of things? And, and what are we doing for some of our processes and how we interact with our outside parties, suppliers, vendors, partners, all of those? Um, all, all of those things fall into just kind of asking another question which I think is, is part of that zero trust mindset. And what we really featured this year is 
a lot of companies, you know, come out of this product centric thinking around not just cybersecurity, but all of IT. And so anything that's technology, mm -hmm. they think like, okay, what is, what is the SKU here? What is the product that I need to buy and implement at my organization? And that's really not what Zero Trust is. Zero Trust is more of a philosophy. It's more of a framework that kind of guides decisions. And so I think that people struggle to say we are or we are not adopting Zero Trust. But then if you look at some of the actions they're taking, like implementing multi-factor authentication or maybe doing micro-segmentation on the network, a lot of companies are doing those things, but they don't recognize them as part of Zero Trust. And that's fine. Like we don't have to, you know, get bogged down by definitions here. The good news is that companies are taking some of these specific process steps, even if they maybe don't have the, the comprehensive viewpoint on what zero trust is and how it should be guiding every decision that they're making. So I think it's going to be kind of a long adoption curve. It's not something that's going to happen overnight, but it's definitely something that a lot of our audience can latch onto, whether that's IT pros trying to help their business leaders understand what's going on or whether that's channel firms trying to offer cybersecurity products and services. Now, there's a lot to unpack there. And I think a lot, if we are talking about taking cybersecurity to the level of strategy and, um, and, and the entire organization, so everybody's got a stake in the game, um, that translates into money as well. And I wanted to talk a little bit about like investments that companies are going to have to make, not just in the tools and the products, like you said, but in the re-education of the workforce. Of the, of, and that's a continuing education type thing um, of having people on staff who work in the IT department who have the right skills um, and, and all that goes with that. Do you get a sense that companies are making the right investments, um, understand how much money this is going to cost them to do this correctly? And um, or is there um, is there a delta between, you know, what they should be doing and what they aren't spending? Yeah, this is another parallel between general technology and cybersecurity. And I think the same thing holds true in both cases where companies have this general sense that they're going to have to invest more. You know, they know it's a digital economy, so we have to invest more in technology if we want to be competitive. And there's a lot of bad stuff happening. So we have to invest more in cybersecurity. But the question becomes how much more, you know, or where is that line or, or when are you getting back what you think you should? And I've often talked about ROI, return on investment, as being a, a calculation that CIOs have to make more often now than they did in the past if they were mostly being treated as a cost center. And I think in some cases that could still be applicable, but I think in other cases, especially cybersecurity, ROI might almost be a misleading term uh, because yeah. cybersecurity is not going to be a revenue generating activity. So the, the metrics that you might build and construct around cybersecurity are not going to be, how are we getting a return on this investment? Mm -hmm. But it still has to be, how is this investment worthwhile? Uh, and I, I think that the way a lot of companies are going to start thinking about it is in terms of risk. A lot of companies already do different levels of risk analysis. But I think that a, a risk framework is what's going to end up guiding a lot of investment. So companies are going to look at a situation, whether that's technical process, relationships, whatever it might be, workforce education, and they're kind of going to say, what is the risk here? You know, what, what risks are part of this process and what could be our exposure? You know, what would be the impact of those risks? And then how do we want to mitigate it? 
and I think that is the, the discussion that will eventually lead to some kind of level setting on investment and, and companies being able to say, okay, we think that this is the risk. We think that this is the investment we should make that would be a responsible mitigation of that risk. And obviously we could invest more and try to mitigate that risk all the way down to zero, but that becomes diminishing returns. Um, and, so, and so I think that that gives companies the framework of, to talk about and to understand the trade-offs involved in more or less investment. Yeah, it's not unlike, you know, insurance that we all have to take. And it brings me back to uh, the situation in Florida. But, you know, some people will say, what are the odds that my house is going to be flooded in one of these things? Do I need flood insurance? Um, they probably should get it, just like people should probably invest in cybersecurity. But you do that risk assessment. You know, do I want to put, you know, spend the money now in the, you know, the off chance that I might have a data breach happen to me? Um, I think this is particularly keen for um, small companies. I think a lot of small companies, at least in the data that I've looked at and studies we've done, they don't think these things will happen to them. And they're already cash strapped. Uh, so they often don't make the types of investments that they need to make versus larger companies, I think, you know, understand that, you know, they have to have these things in place and they have more reporting requirements involved in compliance and all of that. Um, so I wondered, you know, in the study, do you see sort of a, a, a big difference between the way a small company approaches cybersecurity versus a large? And do you, do you think we should caution against that, that everybody should approach cybersecurity in the same way? I think we're seeing a, a little bit less of what we used to see in the past that you described where small companies think, you know, this can't happen to me. I think they begin to understand this can happen to me. And I think they kind of know if it happens, there's going to be a bigger impact to me than there is a large company that would be able to absorb yeah. it. Like if, if something happens here, it could completely take my business down. And so, you know, that, that risk analysis that I was talking about, even if they're just doing kind of a rough estimation of it, the, mm -hmm. the impact can be, pretty severe, but then they're kind of limited by what they can invest, you know, and, and, and how much they can, they can uh, apply resources to it, whether that's financial or people. This is probably actually a good transition into, you know, the people part of, of security. Mm -hmm. One other difference that we see with small companies, I think because they're maybe cash constrained is they seem to be a little bit more likely to involve maybe the business owners or some of the business staff in these cybersecurity discussions. Uh, obviously, it's a little simpler for them to do it. It's a little simpler for yeah. a company of 10 people to have everyone just you know, involved in a cybersecurity discussion mm -hmm. versus a company of 1,000 people. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that that's part of the balance that they try to strike. And, and obviously, um, part of building that cybersecurity chain for small companies is going to be including the partners that they use because small companies are a lot more likely to have third parties providing significant parts of their IT architecture than large companies. Uh, and so those, those partners are going to be part of that discussion. And that could be a managed service provider. It could be a cybersecurity specialist uh, that's on the outside. But all companies are kind of trying to build their cybersecurity chain and then tailor the conversation for the right people. You know, So if you're talking with business owners or a board of directors, you don't want to be talking about the nitty gritty technical details of what you're doing. You know, you want to be able to kind of connect that all together and ultimately have this discussion about organizational health. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned partners, just like, and, you know, companies and all of the end users have to concern themselves 
broadly with cybersecurity. Partners and you know channel firms today have to do the same. We're finding in all of our data, even if that's not your niche area, that's not what you normally do. If you don't have some kind of cybersecurity conversation with customers and some sort of solutions in your in your in your arsenal for for them. Um, you're almost, you know, competitively out of the game. You you really have to have some uh, attention to security, no matter what you're selling them or no matter what services you're offering them as an MSP. And if you don't, you better know somewhere to lead them, like you're partnering with somebody else who has those skills. And we see that in the last successive studies of State of the Channel and other research that we've done on the channel and they, on MSPs in particular, they're really veering toward upping their game in, in security skills. Um, so clearly this is um, a topical area that's just, uh, you know, across everybody, um, again, is to go back to the top of this, our entire ecosystem of, uh, of people from members who work in the business of technology to all of the users of technology, too. Yeah. And just to touch on the, the skills really quickly that are important for either a third party or especially for internal IT staff, yeah. uh, especially as they're specializing more in cybersecurity. I think the, the top three skills that we see uh, companies demanding around cybersecurity are interesting. There's threat knowledge, which I think is kind of a traditional viewpoint. It's, you know, what is on the outside that could be getting in? Um, so yeah. I think that's a little bit of a carryover, but obviously very pertinent today. Yeah. Then you have network security, which you would think companies kind of understand. You know, they, they, they've been doing network security for a yeah. long time. But again, all of these things are changing. Um, and especially if you're moving to a zero trust and if you're doing micro segmentation or something like that, your network security approach is, is changing pretty rapidly. So even for something very traditional, there's a lot of change and evolution. And then finally, we do see something new, data analysis, which hmm. we talked about data analysis here before. Everyone wants to be analyzing their data and becoming more data driven. That applies to security. And I imagine that in the field of security, companies are going to find the same thing, that as much as they want to get to the analysis, they have to think about the data management first uh, and make sure that they're collecting the right types of data and storing it in a way that would set it up for analysis and all of those pieces that lead you to the point that you want to get to. Well, if nothing else, it means there's a, a lot of job roles and distinctions out there for people who are considering a career here uh, uh, to get involved in. So that's that that's good. Um, I know this is a topic that we will be talking about for quite some time, not going away. Um, what's the best place for people to access all this fun stuff? It's on our website now. Yes. Yep. Yep. There is uh, everything on our website, and then the landing page is a little separate. I'll post you know links in the show notes to both of those things. And so people can check those out. Uh, we'll be having another Bali episode on this uh, next time right. where yeah. it won't just be you and me. We're going to bring in somebody that's actually out there doing this stuff uh, and, and knows what they're doing and they can tell us if we're right or wrong. And then we'll have a couple trend watch episodes uh, throughout October, which is cybersecurity awareness month. So we definitely wanted to hit it hard. There's lots of places that you can get the information. Well, good job again, my friend. Uh, it's a great report. And uh, we'll talk next time when we bring our expert back. But thanks again. Yeah, thank you. And thanks, as always, to our producer, Andrea McMillan. And we'll see you next time for more on cybersecurity. All righty.